What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It gives me great pleasure to welcome you back once again to Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rose Show. A time of recording it is 8.07 p.m. on Sunday, April 19th, 2020. And with me on the other line is my best friend, Sam Hannon. Sam, say hi to the people. Hey, what's up, people? What was amusing you? What was it? What was amusing you? The little breath I took before I hit record. Yeah, it was like a real coronavirus breath. <laughs> hey. It was a real like trying to gather the energy together to put on this pod right now. Hey, hey, look, we've got plenty of energy, and uh, we we will not be denied. This is this is True. this is happening. Um, it's happening. You, you, your your day was good. We did a debrief. I think maybe we should just listen to Hootie and the Blowfish before in every pre production meeting, just to get us geared up. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where, where it came from, but all of a sudden I've got some pep in my step. Maybe it's the chicken fajita that I just had, courtesy of Charlie Rose. That's true. It could be that, dude. I'm telling you, Hootie is an is an instant mood booster. It's a mood booster. It rem- It's just like I just I listen to Hootie and I imagine being in like an open top Jeep Wrangler <laughs> in like the middle of Georgia, like driving down the highway on our way to a beach or something. Like it really does feel that good. It totally feels that good, and we we cannot stress enough that Cracked Rear View, the Hootie and the Blowfish album, we just yeah. looked it up, is the 19th highest selling album of all time in the United States. Go listen to Cracked Rear View. So hot right now. So hot in the 90s so, all the way until now. So hot. Oh, man. I had some good so hots this week, and, and I can't remember them right now, but the second <laughs> I get them back, I'm dropping them because they really are so, so hot. You you say you said yeah, they're so hot that you forgot them. So seriously. So also so hot right now compared to yesterday. Boston. It snowed in Boston yesterday on Saturday, and today it was sixty degrees. What up with here's, that? Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. This is official right now. This is breaking. Go on. Twenty twenty is twenty twenty is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a no. good. We had a good. We had a good run. We did not have a good run. It was a terrible run. <laughs> it was Dude, a brutal, so much, brutal run. So much shit has happened in 2020 already that I am looking forward to 2021. We had a global. It's gonna be here before we know it. We had a glo- we had a glo- we had a glo- we had a global pandemic. Kobe's gone. Bill Withers is gone. Uh, 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 the, the wildfires uh, in Australia happened. The wild. I I forgot. I forgot about the wildfires in Australia. I forgot. We thought that that, we thought that, that was going to be the worst thing that happened to this planet in 2020. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Wrong. God's uh, like, hold my beer. Uh, yes, yeah, seriously, hold my beer. Well, I, I, t- a nice hold my beer reference. We hope everybody. We hope everybody out there is doing okay and and hanging Seriously. in there mentally and emotionally. Uh, uh, for people who are listening to the pod who uh, know me and have my number, you can always text or call. If you don't uh, have my number and don't text or call, you can get in touch with the show several ways. Tweet at us at the AJ Rose Show on Twitter or on Instagram, and um, email us AJ Rose Show at gmail dot com. So you can always get into contact with the show that way. If you need a little pick me up, you know, I got hey, nothing to do. Also, also, um, we usually joke about asking for Venmos. All right, you we know, can give some show. Venmos. What what I'm saying is yes. Um, if you happen to be listening to the show and you are having a hard time right now, the least that I can do is buy you groceries or something via Venmo, totally anonymously, easily, easily. Like, just hit us up, DM us. I mean, I would love to help. Like, Twitter had um, hashtag Twitter food bank. 
Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people, just uh, um, good Samaritans uh, who who have a little bit of extra extra cash right now, helping people who are just trying to make ends meet. So the hardest thing I thought with that campaign was I didn't know who, like, I didn't know exactly who needed help if they had already been. Like, I, I don't, I just want to like help as best that I can, and it, it was really confusing trying to figure out. Because I, you know, trying to find someone that you can help. Sam's like, just trying to do the best that the best that he can. <laughs> I love it. But seriously, though, seriously, if you happen to be listening and you're having a hard time, hit us up and we'll help you as best that we can. That's the least that we can do. Totally agreed. Uh, we're we're in lockstep about that. You had some things that. Uh, you wanted us to talk about today. The main thing we wanted to talk about is the same thing that we talked about for a little bit at the top of last week's pod, which is the now suspended campaign of one Bernard Sanders. And we yeah. wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to, to, to mostly clear out for you, Sam, and, and I'll bounce a couple questions off you, but I yeah. wanted you to talk about as someone who I've, I've never seen you as invested in a politician or in a political campaign as you were to Bernie Sanders in, in, in all the years that we've known each other. And it, I think that's very cool that he, he sort of brought that out of you. And yeah. he was, is not a perfect person or a perfect politician because no. nobody is. And we we will, we will talk about some of the missteps that he had, but well, he's definitely, yeah, definitely not a perfect politician and I'm obviously not a perfect person, but definitely, definitely not a perfect politician. And, uh, uh, although you know, you know how we can tell he's not a perfect person and he's just like us because when he did one of those broadcasts from his home, he has a chair where he throws all of his like laundry and stuff. You know, yeah, everybody's got that one chair where just stuff piles up and nobody ever sits I, in that chair. It's just the chair. I cannot, I cannot, like understate this enough. That we almost had a chance to have a person who was like us. Yeah, dictating public policy. You know, like, uh, but whatever. It's, oh. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. So. Shit. Yeah? You all right? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Just reflecting. Just reflecting. Yeah, it's, it's, and, and when you, when you say that sentence out loud, it does sort of strike you over the head, right? Where you, you, you think about the flaws of Bernie compared <laughs> to the flaws of, um, Hillary and Biden. Hillary four years ago and Biden now. Um, yeah. And and it's well, what, it's just it's just. Your, go ahead. In your estimation, what are what are what were Bernie's biggest flaws as a person? Um, I think he well as a person or as a politician he. Well, a little bit of both. A little bit of Sorry both. If I'm putting you on the spot. It seemed like. It seemed like Bernie was. Not uncompromising, but very. His consistency might have worn on people that he wasn't. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe he wasn't malleable enough. He wasn't right. able to to be a political, not chameleon, but just 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 step <coughs> step slightly outside of his comfort zone on uh in one direction or the other, in order to yeah. suit his needs. And that is because he he watched. Uh, uh, people get politicians probably politicians he respected get bent out of shape by trying to do that and then once yep. you start doing that you do it too much right yep. but if you yep. don't but if you don't do it at all then you end up having a, a, a consistent thing that people have time to take apart yeah 
right? I I, yeah, I, I don't know I if so. the, I don't know if that's an answer to the question, but well, I think I think his. I mean, before we get into it fully, I think his consistency. I I think his consistency was a strength and a weakness because you could trust him, but it didn't seem like he could compromise. And I think for a lot of people, even though I think the policy, I, even though I'm 100% aligned with his worldview and the policies that he was advocating for, I still think that if you're going to be, if you're going, you cannot operate in this political system without making some compromises. And he just didn't seem like he was willing to do that. And I think that turned a lot of people off. But to put it, to put it simply, like overall, what has he done? Like he's highlighted some moral dilemmas that we're facing as a country, and that's like Medicare for all, definitely um, wealth, wealth inequality, racial inequality, the the military industrial complex. I mean, these are some major issues. Money in politics. Money in politics is is probably ahead of all of those, and that you have to you have to uh, fix that before anything else is 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 being fixed. But I mean. The healthcare for me, yeah. Sorry, you go. No, go ahead. the 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 other thing is when he would repeatedly say that he needs that we need Medicare for all, and he wanted a single payer system, and people would ask him the refrain or the retort, uh, not from the other side, but also from within yeah. the Democratic Party, was about how are you going to pay for it, and so the. The retort to that usually by Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie and others was that people generally don't ask that question, how are we going to pay for it when it comes to other things in yep. uh, in in politics or in government spending, right? Usually when it comes yep. to military spending, we rub our hands together and poof, out comes however many yep. hundred billion or trillion dollars. And so that is one way to answer that question. And that's not a wrong answer. But if you if he had said if Bernie had said, OK, listen. This is how much the U.S. spent uh, in military spending last year. And if you divert this percentage of that spending and this percentage of of uh, this part of government spending from military spending, from w- whatever it might be, if yeah. we and, and he said he said and the other the other point he made the, the salient point was if you just tax people proportionately the way they're supposed right. to be taxed, then you'll have a lot more money to rub together. Well, the thing, the thing was, and I feel like he was pretty transparent with this, but that people didn't understand. He didn't. He was transparent with it, but I don't think it was articulated well enough. Is that um, middle, like our all of our taxes were going to go up to pay for a single payer system? Right. We're going to have to pay more in taxes to achieve a system like that. But what the message was was we can save on healthcare if our taxes go up. We will have net savings on an individual level. Yeah, the person person X who who uh, is going to be paying more in uh, taxes is going to be paying less in healthcare. And uh, it, right, it's a net, it's net, right, sa- so- it's 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 net savings. And the people who already have health insurance provided by their job were not grumbly about that, but maybe they just maybe they just. I, felt felt even, comfortable where they are. I don't even think there were as many people that were upset about that as as they made it seem. Because I've definitely talked to some people that question that. You know, like what's like? I feel like I have pretty. I've talked to a few people that have said, "I feel like I have pretty good health insurance. I'm planning on having a kid in the next couple of years. Um, I don't really want to risk having less health. You know, 
less coverage, whatever it may be in a single payer system. I like the health insurance that I have, but a majority of the people that I've spoken to about this say they don't like their uh, employer uh, health care. And mine is okay, but the out-of-pocket expenses are still outrageous mm. compared to what they're paying in other modernized countries in, in the world. It's like, I would rather pay more in taxes and have everyone covered. It's not even about yourself as much as it is about the most vulnerable people in your community who just don't have coverage. Like, it's The whole system is based on if you can't afford it, that's too bad. Right. And that's not a that's not a moral system that we can live in, in my opinion. It's it's there are so many other underlying issues. And it's if if anything, if the if the coronavirus has illuminated anything, it's the 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 fact that tying health insurance to your job is just a really really dangerous thing to to have, well, and this is yeah, the result of that. There are millions of people now who don't have health insurance who have to go to the. Um, we have to go to the exchange and pay out and pay a lot out of pocket for health insurance, but it's really it's it's immoral to me that we are that this is a commodity. You know, like there are so many underlying issues of like wealth inequality, poverty, etc., where people can't get a fair shake economically, and because of that they can't get good enough health insurance. They don't have health care coverage. Like, their, their health, um, there's health fallout from that. Um, but it just it just shouldn't be something that you should need to afford. Like, you should be able to go see a doctor. We're the wealthiest country in the world. How is that not a thing? Like, you look at Canada, you look at the UK, they're all very, like, welcoming of their national health care systems. And for us, we just accept that, you have to pay a shit ton of money to be able to go see a doctor or get a surgery that you need. I, I, I just think that's crazy to me. That's crazy. And, you know, it is about, it is a little bit about sacrificing for your fellow man. You know, it's not all about yourself, but I don't want to get into Medicare for all too much. Okay. I think, um, I think that's one of, that's one of the issues that we wouldn't be talking about if not for Bernie and his, in his 2016, and 2020 uh, campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. That's one of the biggest things that he's done is he's brought a few key conversations that we need to have to the forefront where we're all talking about it now. And we know roughly what needs to be done. And he swayed public opinion and support in that direction. So in the primaries, um, you had people, uh, you had a majority of people vote for Biden because he's because of his decency, maybe. Maybe it's his electability, um, the electability argument, the Obama ties, all of that. But the exit polls are showing that people uh, support Medicare for all, uh, $15 minimum wage, um, things that Bernie has been pushing for for years. So we're there on the policy, but maybe we just weren't there on the person yet, and that's too bad. Um, but I want to turn to, I think, you know, I want to turn to how Bernie hurt himself because he mm-hmm, definitely. Mm-hmm is not a perfect politician and i think that's what sucks so there there are like there are positives and negatives to this you know like i think he ran a great campaign and he was super close and i remember back in january or maybe maybe it was even february um talking to chuck my stepdad chuck for everyone that doesn't that doesn't know there you go um and uh and looking at him and being like i think we got i think he's got this in the bag you know i think 
we're going to have a Bernie Sanders president. It, it, it wasn't. Like, it was an incredible couple weeks, wasn't it? I talked to yeah. It was even yeah. So I talked to um to to another friend, and he was um he was like he was like I'm voting for Elizabeth Warren um Super Tuesday in Massachusetts. He's like I'm voting for her because I want her to if if not win Massachusetts, I want her to be close because we need her in the Senate. We can't have someone challenging her saying you can't even win your own state. And I was like, okay, that's fine. They they had been a Warren supporter for a long time, and I and I like Warren too. A, a, a few like sour moments, but I like, but I've always liked Elizabeth Warren. And um, and he said, but I think Bernie's got it in the bag. And I'm like, I'm like, I I think so too. You know, really a lot of hope. But um, the the lack of ability to um, he just he wasn't great at transactional politics, and I think that really that really um, showed, you know, the, the ability to call up uh, a Jim Clyburn and ask for an endorsement. Um, it seemed after reading, you know, a number of articles after Bernie suspended his, uh, his campaign that he just felt uncomfortable calling people and asking them. He didn't want to have to ask people to support him, you know, and I think that really hurt him, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, he worked with he worked ahead of South Carolina. I mean, he worked with Jim Clyburn on a bill that expanded uh, funding for community health care centers. It affected two, uh, 28 million people. So they have common interests. But why didn't he at least have the conversation is the, is the question that I would ask. And and I don't know. And, um, and if, if, if Jim Clyburn uh, supports Bernie instead of Biden, then that's that. Then it's over. That's that. Because even if Biden still wins South Carolina and it's close or whatever it might be, it was the fact that it was such a it, it was I mean, it took this is what it took for Bernie Sanders not to get the nomination. Right. It took yep. a consolidation of the candidate, the moderate candidates, and it took Jim Clyburn's endorsement. And it on the whole, it took really the most startling political uh, uh, campaign turnaround that I've ever seen. And I've only watched. Yep. Uh, I really have only been cognizant of the campaign since 2004. But that like that's it. It it it, it took it, it was a seventy two hour massive massive pendulum swing in the other direction. It was, it was a full court press on the moderate side. Yeah, uh, and you, you have you have Amy you have Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, Beto O'Rourke, and Kamala Harris all endorse uh, Biden. I was so bummed by Beto O'Rourke. Ditto. Like, I mean, really, like talk about in Texas especially where Bernie had a, had a pretty good, pretty good shot of winning Texas, just putting your thumb on the scale like that. I mean, I think Bernie still won El, El Paso. I could, I think he did. I could be wrong, but, um, but yeah, it was a full court, it was a full court press. I mean, really like it was an amazing campaign that Bernie ran, uh, that his, that his team, uh, ran. He really shouldn't have made it that far. You know, the, the, maybe you can call it a win in Iowa. Maybe, maybe it's too close, you know, Technically not a win, but he was there, and then New Hampshire and Nevada landslide, and um, and I think he 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 went as far as he could, but I think another thing that hurt Bernie was um, constantly calling for a revolution. So you think that you like, think the the connotations of the word revolution hurt him? It's literally the connotations of the word revolution. So I believe personally that we need a revolution, and with that, um, sorry, my guitar just fell uh um, oh, you've been strumming you've been you've been uh, picking up uh, twanging a little bit during quarantine yeah 
a little bit during quarantine. But anyway, sorry. Little John so, Mayer. So the so the word revolution is scary for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I I think um, what a revolution looks like in my mind is just it's a shift away from a government that works for a wealthy ruling class, you know, corporations and billionaires, to a government that works for the people or the working class. It's more of a restoring of democracy. That's that's how I view it. It's it's more of a it's it's setting a level playing field. Um, but for a lot of people, a revolution sounds like an angry mob with pitchforks and torches storming the capital. You know, so it's like it's literally the connotations of the word and how how hard he went um, with that. And then another thing that I can remember there, I got two more points here. The I've got news for the Republican establishment. I've got news for the Democratic establishment. They can't stop us. Tweet after R- Nevada. Right, right. And so him. So Bernie, Bernie. And this is this is why so many people love him. And I, it got me fired up. Him being like, screw, really the foundation of both of these parties. Yeah. And the corruption, so, the corruption at the root, in like that's embedded in both of these parties. It literally. So that was a bet. Yeah. And that was a that tweet after Nevada was pretty much a bet that there wouldn't be a consolidation of the moderate wing, right? It was like, it was like, I'm getting 30% of the vote no matter what, taking it, uh, taking it to um, the convention and I'll, and I'll be the nominee. So, so, so maybe, I mean, it did, I don't know if Bernie's people thought that, Buttigieg and Klobuchar were going to stay in or that Warren, if they thought that once they dropped out that Warren would also drop out, I don't know, but yeah, at, that's a that tweet and that, if that's what they thought that's a miscalculation. You know what, uh, you know what's, what's really interesting that I, that I read the other day we should do a segment at some point called, I, I read this the other day or I, like, I saw yeah, this I, in the news, because literally it's all my conversations recently have been oh, I, I, I read this, this. I, read, I read this listicle, therefore it must be true yeah, I saw this graph on the, the pandemic in 1918, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, that's a half of my conversations. But um, the so just the, the way the media, the mainstream media operated during the primary, after Nevada, you have a, obviously a lot of Bernie coverage, but it's really negative coverage. You have guys like Chris Matthews talking about how him winning Nevada is reminiscent of um, the Germans taking France. Do you remember that? Oh, was it Chris Matthews saying that? Yeah. Yeah, Chris Matthews, who just seemed unhinged while he was saying this. So, so yeah. And subsequently so got was, fired, right? Didn't he get fired? Right, right. It was that. It was a culmination. It was that and a couple of other incidents, I think. But but it was that that kind of media coverage. And kind of and coinciding with this tweet, it was the freak out of the establishment. Like, holy shit. Um, our way of life is going to change drastically if Bernie Sanders becomes the president. Uh, we're not going to be... You know, money's going to be different. <laughs> like, the stock markets are going to be different. It was a freak out of the establishment, and I think that tweet sums it up pretty well. But um, after South Carolina, uh, the media coverage for Biden—it's it—it was the equivalent of I think it was seventy-two million dollars of advertising, like worth of advertising, and the worth of advertising for for a campaign that wasn't spectacularly spectacularly great at fundraising it was just you cannot compete with that i do want to compete with it i do want to give joe biden the credit for the speech he made after he won south carolina that night yeah it was pretty good and for biden 
pretty good is just head and touchy shoulders above where he's been this entire campaign. He has not been pretty good. He's been really worrisome for the vast majority of the campaign. But on that night, he looked like a politician who could be a front runner for president. You know, I wish he could I for wish seven he could minutes. I wish he could just maintain that energy. You know, right. Like, if, if you get that if, and, and yeah, if, if we got that Biden or even most of that Biden, right. I would not I would not be mayday, mayday, mayday about this election the way I am. Well, my yeah, my my question is and, and this is something that's becoming very evident is like so the first week after every every all the pieces, the coronavirus pieces started to fall. Right. We started going indoors. Um, social restrictions were being enacted. Um, there was like a week where Trump was on, was doing his press conferences every day. Bernie was doing, um, uh, you know, Instagram Live, Facebook Live, whatever it was, roundtable discussions with people. And Joe Biden was nowhere to be found. Um, and and since then, Joe Biden has, has done uh, like media hits and everything, but it hasn't been that great. Um, he's put out a couple of op-eds. One op-ed he put out was was just like very vague how he would deal with the coronavirus. It was like I would um, gather the experts in every field and we'd come together and discuss, you know, like the economic fallout, the I mean, health care and all that stuff. Isn't, yeah. isn't the pandemic, doesn't it help Biden? Not only well, the way, not only the way Trump's handling it, but the fact that he does not have to be in public saying things on the campaign trail every day. Doesn't right, that but help? But but what I'm saying is that that's that is quickly turned on him. I think in, the, in a general election, the fact that he hasn't been as present. Well, he's so he's the Democratic nominee now, right? Yes, and 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 it doesn't seem like he's been running much of a campaign. In, in, and, the, and the thing, the thing that I would that I would want to see from Biden, like I want Biden to win, so that's the ultimate goal, right? Win the presidency. The I, win the presidency. Right. So what I want to see from him is I'd want to see him instead of writing op eds about gathering the experts in, all, in every field. This is I could write this op ed, you know, like the op ed that I read. I could write that. This is what I would do in in a pandemic. It's very, it was very top level, whatever. Gather the experts in all those in, in all those fields. Get on CNN, get on MSNBC, wherever, and and have roundtable discussions. Right, the counter Trumps, counter Trumps press conferences every day. You have to like right now. Him not doing a lot is going to quickly be turned on him. Like Trump's going to be like, "Where the hell were you? You didn't say a single thing. You have no plans." Yeah, I, I, th- I think just um, it just worries me. The, yeah, him, I, him, him saying, him saying, uh, whatever he said in that. I did not read the New York Times op-ed that he po- posted. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that whatever's coherent. I'm assuming it was at least semi-coherent yeah. that what he oh, wrote no, in totally that was. in that New York Times article, and that in and of itself is is more substantive than all these collective trust Trump press conferences. The thing, and, is, the thing is you do, every, every day that you're not 
creating a juxtaposition to Trump uh, on a major level, you're not winning over votes in the general election. You know, why isn't he hitting Trump harder? Why isn't he hitting the response harder? It just hasn't. It's just not. It's I just think. I mean, you're right, Sam. You're right. And it's because they're. I think Biden's people are all petrified of him. Just uh, the whole people watching him lose his. Lose. Slowly going. See, is, like, like losing, losing his, his functions. That is such. That is such. Right? Do you, do you do you do you think that's do you think that's the case? Do you think that is why we have not heard from him? Well, okay. Well, I don't know if that's not, I don't I don't know if that's a hot take. I I would assume that most people agree with take. me. I would it's assume that most take. people agree with me that 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 is why he has not been out there because they don't want him to to say and do things that make it seem like he has dementia. <laughs> they ran. I I don't I can't remember the exact term, but I think they ran like a limited exposure campaign, which yeah. is like let's not. Like no speeches after four. He's best in the morning. You know, do do morning town halls, but not available to the press after a certain time. It's it was very it was a very protective campaign of him and what whatever's going on. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. It's clear that he is not the same person that he was four or eight years ago. Um, but I still don't think he's he's a he's a total loss. Like I just Whatever they did to prepare him for the last debate, do it again. Yeah, give him. Hey, do this it is this is day. some steroids, some cortisone shots, maybe some smelling salts, like they give Tom I Brady. Mean, uh, give him some smelling salts because he was. Because I, I honestly, going into that debate, I was like, Bernie is going to destroy Biden in a debate, and I think that was what people didn't like. Uh, the, the the DNC Biden's campaign, they did not want to have that debate. They did not want to have that debate. And I thought, like, okay, he's going to get smoked. And then he came out and had a pretty good debate. Yeah, he did. He, did, he really did do okay. He hung in there. He hung in there. No, he actually, I mean, it was a toss-up. I, I, I don't even know if you could have a winner or a loser of that, that debate. He, he was present and coherent and articulate. <laughs> you know, like, so whatever they did for him in, in that debate do it again it's amazing that this is truly the threshold we have to get over in order for somebody to be president is is present coherent and articulate <laughs> well, I, just, I just i just think it's a real it's a real shame um that so many people got behind biden when we could have had some pretty some pretty substantial change yeah much needed change in my opinion like i don't think biden's the end of the world it doesn't seem like his policies are that progressive. He, he will be the most progressive candidate, probably, aside from FDR yeah. and his policies. But that's not saying much. Um, his concession on uh, Medicare, dropping the uh, eligibility age from 65 to 60, it, it, Hillary Clinton four years ago said that she would drop it 55 to 50. It's like it's not even that good. You know, like that's what yeah. we're looking at in policy concessions. Unless he, unless he partners up with Liz Warren and in the general, like I, I don't know, it could happen. I, but, I, I don't think that's the move. But it's, a, it's a shame that we that we went and tried to play it so safe because this is, I mean, can can you remember in past elections how if electability was like the number one 
driving issue. I, I mean, people, it, like it seemed, was this election. I I do not know very much about the 2004 election, but it seemed like people voted for John Kerry because he was a safe bet. That he was the safest bet to beat Bush. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's what. And look how that turned out. Well, that's what people are. That's what. That's what people are equating this this general to is like a 2004 general election. Jake Jake Tapper, it uh, was maybe like a month and a half ago, had this epiphany on CNN in prime time where he was like, you know what? He's like, I'm getting real 2004 vibes here. Like we're coalescing around John Kerry, who's now Joe Biden, um, because we think that he has the best shot of beating George Bush or Donald Trump in this case. And he yeah. goes on and on and says like this, you, this literally is like almost the same situation. I just, I just hope that, you know, I'm ready to move on, I guess now. And I just hope that Biden can pull it out. And I hope that, I hope that people just do the groundwork to get him elected because I know that if Bernie were in the general, he would have an army on the ground knocking on doors and making phone calls. I mean, Hopefully, the, hopefully people are allowed to knock on doors at some point before well, that, the general. We true. don't know. At least, at least, there's no such at thing. Least making million, at least making millions of phone calls. You know. Yeah. Um, but um, that yeah, that's pretty much all I have on on Bernie. And it wasn't even. I don't feel like this was the greatest <laughs> summation of a of of a campaign. But I just I have a lot of hope, um, and I'm. And like I'm through the grieving process for the most part of like we had an opportunity to elect someone with the integrity of Bernie Sanders who would have had the most progressive cabinet in the history of our country who would have fought for everyday people uh, middle class people gig economy workers um, uh, immigrants minorities it just the list goes on he would have fought for all of those people and and i hope that and i i hope and i think the Biden will will um we'll not see. drop the ball on that we'll, we'll 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 see sam i hope that uh i hope i hope that people whether they are Mm, I I I started that sentence without a plan. I thought I was gonna find it halfway through. I started it, didn't find it, and so you know the two you of us. I feel uh, I did the old Michael Scott. Michael, Michael Scott. And I think that is a Michael Scott. It's true. <laughs> um, I I don't know if you had any other anything else major you wanted to talk about. I, there are a couple of topics that um I am gonna talk about with either by myself or with other guests in the, the next couple of days that involve what are they? music and and some things that are coming out. Fiona Apple came out with an album that Pitchfork. Nice. Pitchfork gave Fiona Apple Apple's new album Fetch the Bolt Cutters a 10. It has not given a 10 to any album in 10 years. Do you want to take a guess at what the last album they gave a 10 was? Was it something obscure? No. Oh, it was big. It was Kanye what? Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted oh, Fantasy okay. in 2010. Okay. Was the okay, last 10 that they this? gave. When are you going to do the Fiona uh, Fiona Apple? Pod. Uh, this week, uh, either with Eddie Brown, uh, presumably, or or my okay. friend, or my friend Phil, not 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 Philip Nash, but another friend of the pod yep. named Phil. Yeah. All right. What other subjects are you thinking about? I'm I'm thinking about uh doing a. <laughs> there, 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 are, there are other albums that come out. The Strokes came out with a new album. I also just wanted to do one about what the best um, drinks are for different moods that you have during the coronavirus, like, and what parts of the day. 
Like what? What? What should like? When should you have wine during quarantine? When should you have scotch during quarantine? When should you have a beer during quarantine? Oh the answer—that'd be a fun pod. I, it's potentially a fun pod that we could do. The answer, of course, is you can have whatever you want, whenever you want, because there is no time of day or night or day of the and week. Nothing matters anymore. So as we, uh, you know, when this when we are recording this at the end of little weekend, when you hear this, it will be big weekend again. And I hope that everybody has a really good big weekend. Or if you still have a job, has a good week. And uh, uh, Sam, I am glad that we got to talk about this because, you know, we both loved Bernie and love Bernie now. And like, hopefully, he's not completely done uh, being an influence and and, and being present in our lives. One thing that I'll touch on, um, what's been wildly. Uh, successful and popular is the extended um, unemployment insurance uh, bill or act that was placed into the one of the sim- the last stimulus bill written by Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and I can't remember the Congress people that were on it, but it's it's six hundred dollars a week on top of your your state uh, unemployment insurance, which I still haven't gotten yet, but yes, it's coming. Some, some, I know some people that have um, submitted all their paperwork and and gone through the claim and everything that haven't gotten it. I know people that have done that and have gotten it. So it's a little, it's a little messed up. But the um, getting money into people's hands, like it helps. That's it's a it's it's a Bernie and Elizabeth thing. It's not a chuck schumer nancy pelosi thing it's not a mitch mcconnell uh, kevin uh what's his name mccarthy mccarthy thing it's it's a bernie and elizabeth thing it's a real progress it's it's the idea that we should not be giving billions of dollars to companies that don't need it and we need to be putting it into the hands of people who have lost their jobs in a crisis and that's another reason why i will love bernie for shit like that um always sticking up for for the common folk in this country so that's it that's the last thing I got to say Sam before we get out of here I just wanted to uh, tell the people in case they didn't remember or realize you turned 27 a couple days ago so happy belated birthday man I did thank you so much I gotta say that call we did incredible. a we did a surprise Zoom call for for Sam organized by his mother Mary and there were lots and lots of friends and family on the call and it was good I, I thought that it was just going to be my mom and Chuck and my little brother, which would have been great anyway. But when I got on and saw those people, you especially, your mom and dad, the great Carol and Charlie, I was like, oh yeah, I almost cried. Yeah, I, I and you, you, you've got your. It was incredible to me that my dad uh, blessed the conversation with one of his typically just on the nose things, where he called you. He's like, Sam, I've always considered you a combination of Forrest Gump and Brad Pitt. Which is just unbelievable, especially because you have the Brad Pitt and Mr. and Mrs. Smith buzz cut right now, and and it's uh, you're rocking it, and I don't think many people can rock a buzz cut. I've thought about it because my hair's getting pretty long, and I refuse. I refuse to give in and do it. I I love it. I love it. And also for, to the Forrest Gump side of that, I did some sprints today. Yeah, run, Sam, run. <laughs> but yeah, that was the crossover that not a single person asked for, but is also just great and very last thing before we get out of here shout out to my other best friend elliot bruce who has the same birthday as you who turned 28 and who got married three months ago three months ago today an incredible thing 
we man at the uh, not only did we do that, but we celebrated uh, his wife Annie's thirtieth birthday the week before St. Patty's Day weekend at the buzzer. Elliot and Annie got married and celebrated Annie's thirtieth before all this went That's down. Incredible. So it, it, it is nuts that they got all that off. So for. For Sam Hannon, I'm AJ Rose. You can listen to all episodes of Fighting Fire with Fire at SoundCloud.com slash Fighting Fire with Fire. Listen to us on, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes and give, rate us and review us. Follow us on Spotify and get in contact with the show. Again, AJ Rose at AJ, the AJ Rose Show at on Twitter and Instagram. Um, AJ Rose Show at gmail.com is our email. Sam, I love you. Fuck. Fuck Mitch McConnell. Always. Never forget. We love you, Bernie Sanders, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Cheers. Cheers.